thankful tonight and very honored to be in this pulpit and especially to be among these young preachers. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2. While you're turning there, I'll relate to you something that happened to one of the men in our congregation this week. He's a, he's a barber. Some of you know him. But he had a fundamentalist Baptist preacher in his chair. And that preacher, it seemed like, was evading all of his attempts to communicate from the scriptures with this man. And the preacher finally told him, he said, these preachers need to quit talking so much about all this grace and tell people to get to work for Jesus. Get to work for Jesus. And so he asked him, he said, well, well what did Paul preach? Did he preach the gospel and these things? And he said, he said, Paul taught us how to win souls. And that was his final word. So my question tonight is, how did the apostle preach? How did the apostle Paul preach? What, what did he preach? Well, in verses 1 through 6, it says, and this is Paul the apostle. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. He preached the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. He says, we speak the wisdom of God. And he is in these verses contrasting the wisdom of man to the wisdom of God. And he tells us that it is a mystery. And a mystery in Scripture is that which is hidden and must be 
revealed. A mystery must be revealed. And he says that it is with that which God ordained before the world. This is a mystery that God ordained before the world. And he says also that it is a wisdom that he ordained before the foundation of the world unto our glory. That is the people of God. In other words, it is something that God purposed. It's something that God gave. It's something that God established in a covenant. And he did so for that people that he chose to be his people. And so he's talking about a wisdom that is not known naturally, not by the most educated, not by the least educated, or any between. It's never known. No man by searching can find out God. This is a mystery that is something that has to be revealed. So he says to us in verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God. We speak Paul and all who preach the gospel, they speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And whether great or small, none can know this mystery, this gospel mystery. Unless God reveal it to them, it doesn't matter who they are. As a matter of fact, in the next verses, he says, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But, he says, as it is written... I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And the reason is because men born in this world, since the fall, since our fall in Adam, and that's all of us, they are totally blind to and ignorant of and resistant to this knowledge that displays the wisdom of God. All they want to hear about is the wisdom of man, that which is, is the device and purpose of man. And although this mystery can be spoken truthfully, although it can be declared contrary to the thinking of some, although it can be declared clearly, although it can be done accurately, men cannot see it, they cannot understand it, 
and they certainly cannot see the glory of it. That's what the prophet said. Something about seeing the king in his glory. And that glory, as Paul tells us here, is simply the glory of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here is this man who by the Spirit of God says he's speaking this divine wisdom. He's declaring this revelation of God. And he's doing it, and this mystery is summed up in this, in verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That means that it is not just simply about a person. It involves that work that identifies this person. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And though it be accurately proclaimed, defined, such as the true gospel preacher does, it cannot be known or understood or seen any way spiritually except there be a revelation from God, a work of God's Spirit. And note what it says here in verse 10. Although this is man's condition, universal, although this is what's gone on from the the beginning of time to this day, although no man can understand or see or believe what is revealed in this mystery, he says in verse 10 of these believers at Corinth, but God hath revealed them unto us By his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The deep things of God are simply the great things of Christ and him crucified. And a revelation by God's Spirit is absolutely necessary because that gospel, that declaration, of the wisdom of God falls on deaf ears unless the Spirit of God gives life, gives new birth. That's what Christ said to Nicodemus. Except you experience what he calls the new birth or being born again or as it actually is being born from above, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into the king of God except God by his spirit, his sovereign spirit, like the wind that blows where it listeth, and we can't tell where it comes from, and we certainly cannot control it or tell where it's going unless God the spirit reveal this message to us, give us an understanding, as John said, We'll not know the wisdom of God. We'll rest in the wisdom of men. We'll rest in our own 
natural thinking and a revelation by the Spirit of God is absolutely necessary. Look at what he says in verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you feel in your heart. I don't know what you know. There's no way I can. Only you in your spirit know these things. And he said, even so, or in like manner, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. We're dependent upon faithful gospel preaching. We're dependent upon a right dividing of the Word of God. But even that, is dependent, as far as us understanding it, we're dependent upon the revealing work of the Spirit of God. I think about it sometimes when we think, see things naturally that we don't know anything about, and we'll, we'll gain some understanding, and that's what it amounts to. And we'll say then when somebody starts talking about it, I see that means I understand. I have some understanding about it. And that's the way that it is with the gospel. Unless the Spirit of God reveal it to us, we're dead in trespasses and sin. We're preaching to men and women who are in this state before God naturally, but God is able to cause them to see and to hear and to understand the truth. It's just like when Ezekiel was commanded to preach. Preach to these dead, dry bones in the valley. And the question that God asked him is this, can these bones live? And I've always thought there that Ezekiel's reply meant something like this. He said, Lord, thou knowest. In other words, you know if they can live, but if it's dependent upon me, I can't make them live. And the, so the next thing he says to him is, is prophesy to him or preach to him. What is the use of preaching the wisdom of God to dead, uncomprehending sinners lost in their darkness and lost in their, in their spiritual condition? What, what is the use of of making an effort to preaching the gospel to dead people. It's not in your power. It's not in my power. We can't make you understand or do anything to cause you to, to know what's being said in the gospel, but God can. That's my hope. That's my, that's the, some people say, well, if I believe what you believe, I would never preach. If I didn't believe what I believe, I wouldn't preach either. Because I can't give life to the dead. I can't give spiritual understanding to you. I can't, I can't overcome your will. I can't, I can't open up your heart or your head or anything. But God can. And his pledge to his people is that he'll do just that. And that he'll do it to his elect in every age. Every single age. 
Turn over to John chapter 6 and hear what the Lord says that is a, a wonder and a joy to my soul. I know it in my own case. In John chapter 6 and verse 45, he quotes the prophets. There's nothing new. This is what the prophets said. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all. Who is that all? All of God's elect. They shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. That's about as plain and clear as it can be. They say, why do you preach if you state that men are in such a condition as this? Which they are. Because every one of God's sheep will be taught of God. He says that. He'll teach them. Every one of them will hear and as a result of this teaching and this causing them to hear, they will all come to Christ. Every single one of them. All right? Look over in Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. <clears throat> Look at verse 11, Isaiah chapter 54. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundation with sapphires, and will, I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of present stone, and all thy children. I believe he's talking here about the church. He says, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. Great shall be the peace of thy of thy children. Why? Because the result of God teaching them, revealing the truth to them, they rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. <clears throat> in verse 34. And they shall teach no more every one his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall all know me. Every one shall know him. They'll know him by this revelation. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, 
saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. That's the best news in every one of God's sheep. They're going to have this revealed to them. They're going to have revealed to them not what they are to do, but they're going to have revealed to them what Christ has done, what God in His Son has done for them. Every single one of them. He goes on in Hebrews 8. If you turn there, Hebrews 8. And verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, and I will write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. That's the message all the way through this Bible. This is the covenant promise of God. This is what God said he was going to do. And that is reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you look back at our text, look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We don't have to wonder whether or not a man is preaching the gospel or not. They check Paul out. The Bereans check Paul out. How did they do that? They looked and studied the word of God to see if the things he said were true. But it can really be summed up in this. It says in verse 12, Now we... That is, these Corinthian believers. Paul says, with not only them, but with every believer in every age. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know what? How to serve him, what to do for him, how to live that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. In other words, the wisdom of God, the gospel of God, makes known to his people the things that are freely given to them by God. And if we are hearing something else, we are not hearing the gospel. Today is simply a regime of nothing but do's and don'ts and rules and abstaining and working just like this man. Get to work for Jesus. The gospel is not about our getting to work for Jesus. The gospel about his work for us. It's a declaration of what he has already done. What he has 
freely given to us, given to us as a gift. That's all spiritual blessing. <laughs> Sometimes I think about it to all these worldly wise preachers and people to preach the gospel of grace to them is simply like an elementary thing. Surely we believe it. salvation is by grace. And, but now tell us some more important things. My friend, if you ever find out what kind of sinner you are and the only way you will is to believe God. You can't believe yourself. You can't believe these lying preachers. You can't believe mama. You can't believe daddy, your neighbor, your friend. You'll only know what you are as a sinner in God's sight if he enables you to believe what he says you are. And if he does that, it's that he might reveal to you the things that is are freely given you. But they're not given to you just in abandon. He's not, he's not giving anybody anything at the cost of his character. These men that preach a grace where it's a, a just God sweeping your sins under the carpet, so to speak. That's not the gospel. The gospel has to do with how a just God can deal with your sins in grace and mercy and still remain faithful to himself, his character. That's why the apostle says to us that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings that God gave us in Christ when he chose us in Christ before the world began. The things that Christ died for, our sins that we might have, the things that he redeemed us for that we would surely possess. When we talk about redemption, sometimes we say, well, God... Uh, redeemed us. He, he bought all these things for us. When actually the Bible says that he redeemed us, that he might freely give us these things. The price of that redemption is his blood, his death. And he shed his blood so that he might justly and to the honor of his own character, and to the complete dealing with the condition of our souls, show himself righteous in the doing. That's why this, it says that he's shown us and revealed to us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit reveals. 
Christ said he'll take. When he's come, he'll take the things of mine. He'll take the things about Christ, not about how to raise your hand or how to sing or how to do this or that or other in emotion, but he'll take the things of Christ and do what? Show them to you. Give you life to see them, to understand them, to know them. And this knowledge he gives that reveals to us the things that are freely given to us. Not our doing, not our human works, not our free will, not our Christian living, not our stewardship or a million more things that men preach. But all about a gift. It's all bound up in his unspeakable gift. And in Scripture, it comes forth in three particular gifts in Christ. The gift of righteousness, the gift of faith, and the gift of repentance. He must give us it all. Reveal to us the things that are freely given us. We preach Christ the unspeakable gift. Everything in him given. And this is the wisdom of God. The cross, the cross death of Christ is the wisdom of God because it does enable God to be just and the justifier of all his believing people. You say, well, God's great. He created all these things in our universe. Or he makes the sun come up every morning and the moon come. God's so great. That it, that's nothing compared to this. How a just God can show mercy on such rebels and sinners as we are. How he can deliver us and still honor himself, maintain his truth, how he can do that. That's the wisdom of God. And it's in Christ. And it's been a long time in Christ. Who said way back in the book of Proverbs. Our wisdom. The wisdom of God. So when we stand to preach brother. We preach the wisdom of God. Not the wisdom of man. Not the not what we learned in a seminary, not what we, we gained by reading a lot of books and commentaries and stuff like this. We never get beyond Christ and him crucified because this is the wisdom of God. We, in my mind, we're very uh, redundant sometimes in what we say when we say uh, the blood and righteousness of Christ. The blood, the cross death of Christ is the righteousness of God. His just dealing with his people in the matter of their sins and saving them for his glory. 
by imputing and laying our sins on Christ. Accounting the Lord Jesus Christ in the matter of our sin. Reckoning upon us his righteousness. You see, I don't know of anything that shows the wisdom of God any more than imputation. God imputing the sins of his people to Christ. Who'd have ever thought? Because every time we are turned loose, it's like we were talking today. He mentioned something about sowing. The fact that they sewed back up the bale of the temple when it was rent in twain, they sewed it back up. That's just like a sinner. They want to sew a, a new piece of cloth onto an old, dirty, rotten piece of cloth. Adam and Eve in the garden, what they do? Sewed a fig leaf apron. This is the wisdom of this is where we rest. This is where we find all of salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who preach the gospel of the cross preach all the wisdom of God. They speak that divine mystery. They know they can't reveal it to anybody. They're like old Ezekiel. Lord, thou knowest. But in obedience to his command, we preach the truth because it doesn't depend on us to raise anybody from the dead or to give them the ear. But he's able to. And he will. And he uses this gospel to give the knowledge to his people. Sometimes go back through this chapter and see how many times it talks about knowing. These, this day and time, they, they just make a mockery of knowledge. I'm telling you, if God doesn't reveal something to you, give you some knowledge, you're going to die and go to hell. Precious knowledge, understanding, good news that we can confident and rest in the wisdom of God. Paul says in Rome and in First Corinthians in chapter one, if you look here at First Corinthians Chapter 1, and look at verse 17. Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize. He didn't even, he didn't even send me to win anything. But to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Not to hide the gospel in a, in a bunch of uh, theological talk or uh, 
or great flowery oratory or plain truth. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Who he is and what he actually accomplished on that cross for his people. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of, it, of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, <laughs> it's the power of God. Jews require a sign. Gentiles require uh, wisdom, the wisdom of this world. But unto them that are called, which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. He's the wisdom of God. And so when God in mercy deals with his people in Christ, and he reveals this mystery, this, this wisdom to them. That's the first time that they're ever wise. I don't care how many verses they can quote. I don't care how many theologians they can quote. Until they in their heart have revealed to them this wisdom. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us wisdom. Isn't it amazing? That's the first word he used there. Oh, he's made unto us righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He's made unto us first wisdom. How he can be. How he can answer Job's question. How can a man be just with God? That's the wisdom of God. Thank you.